welcome to Unique Ways with Thomas Gerard. We're here in the Vancouver studio with that super awesome guest. He's a digital pioneer, a photographer, a creative technologist, an author, and an educator. His mantra is, technology is best when it brings people together. Please join me in welcoming Chris Krug. Welcome. Thanks a lot, Thomas. What's up, today? Yo, ready for tweet questions? I survived it in the audio podcast. I woke up this morning, man, and I'm walking in here with a clipboard with my own 20 questions on it and asking this guy that. Maybe there'll be a bonus episode where I come back and subject you to this type of yeah. interrogation. We can definitely do that. Number one, what do you do? I'm an artist. I'm a photographer. I'm a web developer. I've written a couple books. Um, I have a creative platform through my video blog and a podcast where I'm exploring Future technology with other artists and creatives. I've been following Chris's work for a while now. And then I went up to look to your profile and you've got the photos with like amazing people from around the world. It's absolutely fantastic. My camera was like a Willy Wonka golden ticket, man. Like yeah. it took me in through so many side doors and back doors. I gotta sit at the feet of some of the just most interesting people on, on the world. Me and Mikhail and Gorbachev we were at Wee Day at GM Place and I was the photographer and it was a lineup of people that was standing there to get that picture taken with him. And he noticed me and I sent his big security guy over to tap me on the shoulder and be like, please come with me. I had this crazy mustache at the time. I had just joined the fire department on Galileo Island. And you have to have like a clean jawline so you can put the breather on your mouth. So I had this crazy mustache and he was just tickled by it. He wanted his picture taken with me. They called me over. Took this picture. I was also took crazy stuff on the Malcolm Gladwell was a keynote speaker at a a conference I was at in Seattle, and I got a chance to catch up with him. Smoked the joint with Richard Branson. I think there's a picture of that up there. I was at the the Grammy Awards with Roy Henry Vickers. He's an indigenous artist from Northern BC. He runs the Eagle Area Gallery out in Tino. He was up for a, a Grammy Award for best packaging design for a box set for the Grateful Dead's 1973 and 1974 Vancouver and Seattle Northwest tour. It was so cool. You had to do this full indigenous cedar box thing that you took out. And, um, so he was up for a Grammy against Weird Al Yankovic. And he brought me down there with him to make photos and videos along the way and tell the story. And we're, we're about to go in. We had just walked the red carpet. Kim in full regalia with his chief, Ted Walkus. They both walked the carpet in full regalia. These are people in the fanciest, attire known to mankind and these two stood out never want their photos taken with them we get through to the end and taking off the regular to go inside and up rolls this guy in a full pink leather onesie with studs and it was post malone and he asked me if i wanted to smoke a joint dude and so i did and i had to with him and that one's up there too i remember seeing a clip of you with dr ron burnett yeah man i <laughs> I'm 45 years old. Yeah. I've been around the Vancouver technology scene for almost 20 years. I knew Ron a long time ago, early in the LA car days, and then I was doing work with New Media BC, which later became Digi BC, and this is before the Great Northern Way campus and the yeah. Masters of Digital Media program. That, yeah. Those things came out of that work that we did with Ron Burnett back then. So. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, number two, what's a key piece of knowledge that makes you different? That's really interesting. Lately, I've been thinking that, like very practically speaking, I've lived and worked through all three, let's call them, of the internet revolutions, like the 
graphical web browser kind of thing where we started building web pages for people and stuff. And then later the mobile social revolution, let's call it web 2.0 or whatever, blogging, Twitter, YouTube, you know, I was messing around with those tools right from the get go. And then now here, like with, I guess we'll call it web three, but AI and like some of the blockchain crypto stuff. Like again, I've been just running alongside of it and trying to figure it out and make sense of it and then share it out with my community and stuff. So maybe that's one thing that, that makes me unique. I've, I've been interested and involved in all three of these big waves of the internet. I'll never forget the story about how you, you were going to school for the first time and, and were found this group of Korean coders who were building stuff with Netscape Navigator Gold. I was really onto that too, but I never heard of Netscape Navigator Gold, so that's pretty cool. The revolution for that one was you just saved the web page that you were on and it had an edit tab on it. So it was the first thing I've ever seen where you could just like clone what you were looking at, make some modifications and post it and call it your own or whatever. Yeah, I feel in general very lucky. I feel like I've been at the right place at the right time. And then just try to make the most of it or whatever. So those ESL guys in my dorm taught yeah. me taught me how to build web pages and stuff. And then I was one of the first users of Flickr and Twitter. I was my username for Flickr is KK and my username for Twitter was KK for a long time until I sold it. And I just was the right there at the beginning. So my photography career exploded as Flickr exploded. We did that at the same time together. Me on the backs of this wave of sharing and building audience and community and stuff. So I just feel like I've been at the right place at the right time. And, and now with AI, I feel like you're right exactly there again, right? It captivated my attention like six yeah. months ago and I started tinkering with it and it, it was clear it was like big thing. So I started, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like convening my community around me using the new tools. So I started the Discord that I got a bunch of folks on where we chat and hang out about this stuff and support each other's learning process. That's the whole like learning out loud thing I've been liking to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Okay, three. Why this of all things? Why do you what you do? Yeah. I didn't exactly always do this. Like when I was in my twenties, I was living a bit of a different life. I, I was in a marketing department. I didn't even really know that photographer was like a career. I hadn't even really clued into that was something you could do. You could make portraits and photos of people and things and travel around the world doing that, whatever. And so as I like opened myself to that and leaned into it. I've gotten to this place where I, I don't know that I can do anything else, man. I've like fully embraced this kind of like alternative creative path and just the weaving together of multiple mediums, but also like revenue streams and stuff to make like a patchwork quilt of creative awesomeness. And it is about photography, but also it's about the kind of tangential aspects of production, yeah. the community building, the technologies, staying, being the right place at the right time, as you say, right? Yeah. Okay. So my bread and butter is photography in that it's a line item in marketing people's budgets. It says photographer with a number next to it. And mm -hmm. I try to work into that space, mm -hmm. but I don't view it as an end in itself. It's not for, I'm not precious about my photos. Mm -hmm. I want to get them out into the world uh, with credit or without credit. I want to use them as a community building activity where like, when I go to these events, I just got back from Dent. Mm -hmm. And when I'm at Dent or these other events, the perspective that I try to shoot from is I want each attendee to be able to go to this big set of thousand photos I publish in an album. 
and see themselves in multiple locations, like maybe at the opening party, and maybe once in the audience, and maybe they gave a speech, and there's five stage shots of them. Mm-hmm. And I also try to think about the other, just the, the event itself, and the partners of the event, or like the sponsors, even though I, I don't necessarily owe them anything, but in so much as they're telling an interesting story, I try to document the event from their perspective as well, and, and then just get that out there as a means to share and connect. Tagging people in albums of photos is such a great way for communities to interconnect with each other. Because mm-hmm. like at the end of the event, if I do a group shot and I tag everybody on it on Facebook, all those people start to interconnect with one another. Mm-hmm. And that's a great place to talk to them, invite them into other places like a Discord server or other things and stuff. So, yeah, I love photos, I love photography, I've really elevated my game in terms of my craft. But it's not an end in itself. It's the first step towards building awesome internet shit. (laughs) Cool. So at the time of this recording, we're talking about AI. We're talking about the looming end of the metaverse. We're talking about the AR headset from Apple coming out at some point. So that ties into this question. What does your future look like? Man, I'd like to know a lot about those. What do you mean by the looming end of the metaverse? I don't know. I feel like people are like, yeah, the metaverse was cool, but then it didn't work out and it was a failed plan or something. I think that they've been aggressively spending on it and maybe we're hoping that it would come to financial fruition before it has or whatever. Mm. Um, The Apple thing's not quite out yet, right? No, it's not. I'd be hesitant to call the game over there, critics in the world, before the Apple thing has entered the market. It's a little slower, but obviously I think that, I don't know, some of these dystopian futures of us spending a lot more time in the virtual world does seem inevitable. So yeah, I wouldn't count that one quite out yet. Yeah, you guys are in my feed. Get out of my feed. The metaverse is coming. It's real. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm not a big metaverse proponent, but I definitely, if you're calling out like us inhabiting a somewhat digital space yeah. in the future where we connect with one another and do real commerce and shit like that, it might not look exactly like they think it's going to look today, but uh, but I think that's probably coming. Yeah. AI. My, yeah. my future, where I've had a bit of an epiphany in the last couple of weeks since I talked to you on the audio. I was at this conference, Dent, Dent the Future, yes. it's on a Steve Jobs quote. And yeah. It's really awesome, man. I call it like an ideas and inspiration festival. And I've been going for 10 years and played a big role in the community through doing the photos and stuff yeah. and leading photo walks. And yeah. I've watched the event grow up. I was sitting down at like one of the parties and I had a, I don't know, 100 point glass of wine in my hand from the community Somalia and made us share his fancy ones with us. And I was looking at Jason Preston and Steve Broback, who were like the organizers and I was like, this event is amazing right now. This is as good as it gets. And I was like, and thinking it hasn't always been like that. We've grown into this type of thing or whatever. This community is rich. I was standing there talking to someone who I don't talk to at every event, but I know her really well. I feel a sense of like community with her, even though I don't know her like day to day life. We've been going to this event together for a long time. And I was just realizing that the, the depth of the community in the damn world is really rich. It's grown over time. I was like, yo, don't put your stake in the ground now. It can never grow into something awesome. Like the only thing holding me back between having an event like this right now is that I didn't start it 10 years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I declared to myself and to my buddies, Jason and Steve, I'm like, this has really inspired me. I want to do something similar. Mm-hmm. I want to convene my unique networks of creative technologists, startup entrepreneurs, people like you in the design world, architects, like uh, musicians. And I want to have my own kind of ideas and art 
festival and mm-hmm. and I'd like to travel to somewhere with my these people and have a mix of like activities and talks and like art that we experience but I'd also like to blend it at element like a hackathon or something too where like this density is awesome and powerful and I would wish that we would build something together spend like half a day every day building something together the hackathon I went to was just so cool mm-hmm. watching people come together and, and add coding with design with marketing with all these different things and build like a product in a weekend that actually like worked mm-hmm. like that's a really cool prospect. It's not going to be called Crude Fest and it's not going to be centered around me and my face, but I am working the name Crude Fest, mm. envisioning a future in the next 12 months. Yeah, maybe I'll be able to get 50 people out the first year. I think that would be a really big success, but I'd love to grow it over time and have it be like a, a mini artistic creative tent talks in the early days or like a dent or a have elements of South by Southwest and stuff like that. Anyway, I, I hope that is part of my future as well. Because I feel like that happened with NFTs. A lot of people were like onto NFTs at the beginning and then it propelled into this mature phase and everyone was like, I missed out. Are we talking about something we could miss out on when, when we're talking about what you're Well, talking? when, okay, so I hear what you're talking about yeah. and I have some thoughts about that in relation to AI. Yeah. When I'm talking about missing out in this case, mm-hmm. I'm only talking about in terms of my own lifespan. Okay. I'm 45, I'd love to have an event like this. It takes time to build into it. These guys have been, it took them a decade to get where they're at. And I was mm-hmm. like, I should do this now or mm-hmm. more if they pass them by or I'll never get it to the point where I want it to be. Mm-hmm. In terms of the, the AI stuff, mm-hmm. like missing the boat. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm of two minds about this okay. as I offer them. Uh, on one hand, I think it's very important to, as I said, run alongside it, get up to speed, learn about this stuff. And I think that will help you, give you an advantage over people who don't. I think it will help you. The most important thing is it's going to help you develop this like AI mindset, like I'm thinking about how we interact with AI and how it can be the most useful to you because some of the ways people use it at first on the surface to do writing or different things, they are very like superficial relationship to this amazing tool, right? Mm-hmm. So I think developing an AI mindset is, is more important than getting on the bandwagon and getting all hyped up about it or whatever. And, and, but so, so I, I both think it's impor- critically important that people start figuring this stuff out now and figure out how they want to relate to it, how it relates to their career and their communications and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the flip side is <laughs> this stuff just keeps getting easier and integrated into more and more stuff. So like Microsoft today, who's a huge investor in AI through their Azure platform, like they're really the main investors in OpenAI, the company and ChatGPT. It all runs on Azure or on Microsoft or whatever. So Microsoft today, and it's really taken the tech world by storm, has relaunched everything, Bing and their Microsoft 360, all the stuff under this. AI everything all the time brand, literally one big mega app to rule them all. He talks to the AI, talks to all the things or whatever. And so long way of saying people who don't jump at it with enthusiasm, like we have won't necessarily get left behind because there's going to be in Gmail right now, there's a button where it's starting new email and it just AI populates the email based on who you need to talk to and what you need to say. Mm-hmm. It's going to keep getting pushed down to the all the ways so that everyone has access to it. But I do think in terms of developing a strategic mind about it is important. You'll benefit from, you'll benefit from that. I'll I'll add one more thing. Mm -hmm. I made a video a couple months ago about AI agents and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And the competitive advantage you gain through using AI. Mm -hmm. 
And I do still think there is something there. I do think that people who develop this AI mindset sooner rather than later or sooner vis-a-vis their peers will have like potentially like an unsurmountable potentially created advantage where they like, you know, have become superhuman intellectually speaking on the internet a year before their peers. And then what does that allow them to do? I'm building software now, I'm building my own tools. I really expanded my footprint in the last six months. A lot of it on the back of AI stuff. And will that put me into a position that by people who decide to do that 12 months from now or two years from now, they'll always be playing catch up? I don't know, but. Yeah, not to overstate it. We had Mayor Saidi on the show on the audio podcast who has his own podcast and started pretty early on. We had Debbie Millman on the show who started really early on with the podcasting. And, and now everybody's, everybody can have a podcast, everybody podcasts now, but we wonder if it's too late. I very much feel that way about a lot of the kinds of issues these days. I know. Hey, in some ways it's flooded and it's late and all those things, like you said, mm-hmm. you're starting a podcast. On one hand, that's true. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, okay, I've come to learn that like our unique Venn diagram that makes us us mm-hmm is more valuable to the world mm-hmm. than it's ever been. Like your unique intersection of like design and AI and Douglas Copeland and Vancouver mm-hmm. is very unique, man. Mm-hmm. Every time you talk or synthesize ideas that you've been exposed to, you're producing original content, right? Mm-hmm. Things the AI can't necessarily do mm-hmm. in that you're synth- synthesizing your unique human experience and putting it into the world. Mm-hmm. And that's what AI then later like trains itself mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I don't think it's too late mm-hmm. to put yourself out there. And I think there's this side benefit anyway, and this is actually what got me into the whole podcasting thing and the video blog. Mm-hmm. I wanted to build this digital avatar of myself, like they're calling my clones or whatever, right? I wanted to build an AI generated video or 3D production of me mm-hmm. that had an intelligent AI limit that had been trained on everything I've ever read, mm-hmm. everything I've ever seen, mm-hmm. and then not the things I haven't, like my unique me- media and academic consumption, mm-hmm. my unique voice, my unique ideas. Mm-hmm. And I thought the way to get that out there was like via audio and video, right? Mm-hmm. So every time you talk into this microphone, Tom, mm-hmm. you're potentially training the AI on your unique Venn diagram of perspective and thoughts and stuff. And I believe You've probably heard me tell people that I think they should use their audio recorder to record ideas and jot them down with the AI later, AIs later and stuff. Yeah. And so I think that even if you never grow a Joe Rogan style monumental audience and the head of an AI stuff, it's still valuable. You're capturing your unique thoughts and ideas and you're putting them out there in the world. You're finding your own voice and your own place you're going to contribute. You're building an audience around yourself and you're figuring out what to do about that. Like, now that you've got your voice and your audience and your channel, like what do you want to do now that you've got this power? And, uh, so I think that's valuable. I think it's valuable. It's not just about winning, it's about learning and having a good time. And, yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, number five, we're in Vancouver, we're here in the studio, and the question's about location and place. You know, what, how do location and place play a role with what you do? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm answering some of these questions different this time than last time. I was really place rooted over the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I was out on Galliano Islands and Hornby Island, yeah. rented a farm and had animals and baked Jesus and yeah. growing, growing veggies and ganja and stuff. And my world was very much very local, the local mm-hmm. community and stuff. 
I was also recovering from a big hack in 2017. I lost everything in 2017. My main domain name, my main Gmail addresses. Also my PayPal account stuff got drained, but ended up getting restored. The only thing I had to lose in the end was my domain name, but it was devastating, man. It brought me to my knees after living open and out loud in public for the whole internet. It really made me second guess a lot of that stuff. And so I hunkered down in Galliano and between traveling to Africa and doing some other things, I was I was laying somewhat low. Yeah. So now though, things have taken back off. And I would say on a longer arc, I'm an American. I'm a landed immigrant here in Canada. I've been living for 25 years. I don't feel the strong, normal American patriotism or mm, I feel more connected, I would say, in some ways to Canada and Canadians than the States. and. And even more than that, I feel a part of this bigger digital community, this tribe of the internet people. These folks that I met, both online, but that the internet has brought me together with in real life as well. I, I really feel, I don't want to be too radical, but the internet allows me to see the true connections between people and all of a sudden national boundaries and other things make a lot less sense. And in fact, as we face climate change and AI, the threats of AI, we can't just solve this on like a nation by nation basis. Climate change affects everybody equally, the bigger polluters and the not polluters. And so there has to be a way that we all get a voice together or some international referendum or consortium in which we talk about these things and like, what good is it if 99% of the countries uh, have responsible use of AI and then one of those ones doesn't and then something gets out and we have to build freakier tools to contain the one from the road nation that got out or whatever. And so, I don't know, I can see some of this tech lead us toward a future where hopefully we see less of our differences. Maybe that includes nations. We realize we're all one people on the earth and we try to make some decisions around our future together in that mm -hmm. way. Yeah. I mean, to add to that, pandemic had a certain kind of place that we had to deal with, and then post-pandemic has been a certain kind of place as well, especially with the in-person events and high-ticket items for in-person events, the Taylor Swift concert, yeah. prices going nuts. We're in this kind of new version of what real-life place is, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay, number six. If you had to start from the beginning, what advice would you give your former self? I remember what I said to you last time, and I, it's something I want to talk about, which I... I did get a chance to talk about technology and community and all that kind of stuff, but I also get a chance to talk about my own sobriety journey and about some of my mental health journey and stuff. And so I would hop in a time machine and I'd fly back into the future, back from the future, and I'd grab myself and I'd talk about, yo, it's okay to reach out to people for help. I could start with a counselor or a, a small community. I just started therapy like a year and a half ago. I was sober for a big chunk of that while I was doing that. And in that, I found that there was some stuff I wanted to work through. And it's helped me like have better relationships with people and love myself more and stuff. And so I think a lot of the stuff that I would go back and tell me myself would be around that. And then the, the other one would be like, there's different cliches ways of saying this, like they're free flight fly or whatever, but, or like I said a minute ago, your unique Venn diagram is really important, but it's trust yourself, your taste, is valuable. Your perspective, your critique, and your objectives is worthwhile and it's unique and it's valuable and stuff. And so just leaning into my own opinions and perspectives earlier, I think I would encourage myself to do that. It's all coming to the mainstream, like Selena Gomez kind of releasing all this information about mental health. I watched the video and found it excruciating, but love what she's doing about putting this out there in a mainstream kind of way. We're all talking about it now, aren't we? 
So that's, she was like, yo, my uh, mental health is more important than my tour. And she canceled some dates, even though she wasn't fully struggling. She was just trying to keep things on the up and up. And then she has this like documentary about the whole thing too, so. Yeah, I think I remember that being like one of the first times someone stood up like that. And now it's a lot more common. Yeah. Okay, tools. What tools do you use? Are you digital and analog? Photography, I use the basics. I use the Canon system. Um, I tell people to get whatever uh, camera system their friends have so you can share lenses and gear and expensive things like that. And so when I first got into photography, we were all shooting Canon and went towards Sony for a while, but I stuck with Canon and now it's coming back to Canon again. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. Are you doing mirrorless or R series? I'm not doing the mirrorless yet. I'm still in a 5D Mark IV, okay. but I've got L series glass. So I got like nice stuff and I'm comfortable with it. I did get a, oh, tell me what the new mirrorless one is, RF5. Yeah, maybe. I, I had an RF5 in my hand. <clears throat> Jason Preston loved me his at, at Dent. Sweet. And it's awesome. But it's not quite as, I'm not as reflexive with it yet, man. I can control most of the deep settings on my camera without looking at it just by muscle memory and stuff. So doing event photography is you're in and out of different lighting environments, stage lighting, different situations all the time. So you're constantly having to make adjustments or whatever. So yeah. I'm pretty proficient at that. Software tools are really the interesting thing right now. There's just so many amazing things came at, coming out. I think I told you about Poe last time I was here. It's a dashboard for all the different AIs. It's got Google's Palm and Facebook's Llama and Anthropic's Cloud and all the mid-journey and all these things in one interface. So you can ask the same questions to multiple different AI bots, which I found a useful way of understanding like what they're good at and what they're not good at. Mm -hmm. And what about ChatGPT? Is that like old school now? Yeah. Okay. My understanding is constantly evolving. I just spent the whole last weekend making sweet love to ChatGPT and I wanted to share that with you. So it's like, I was about to maybe cancel my GPT Pro subscription. Like when we talked about Poe, I was like, oh, I want to try Poe, maybe I'll cancel GPT. And I didn't because of the code interpreter, which is now called advanced data analysis. So I was still using the code interpreter because you can upload files to it. So I can stick a PDF or a text file in and I can take a look at this PDF. And so instead of using the normal character limit that GPT has, you can point it in a whole document. And I started to use it to do some coding and some development where I was taking other people's code and I was making some modifications to it in advanced code, analog analyzer, and then I was publishing that code. But I was at this hackathon. I was the photographer and I was a mentor. It was called Hack CT. It was an open source transportation focused hackathon in Connecticut. And I was also a mentor. I was helping the teams with the social and community aspects of their projects. But I got super inspired, man. The founders of GitHub were there. They talked about how uh, yeah, the CEO and the COO of GitHub, Thomas and Kyle, were at this thing, and mm -hmm. I did a little interview with them, but they got me thinking. They were talking about their co-pilot inside of GitHub and how, you know, 80% of the code of the future is going to be written by these AIs. Yeah. And I've always known that your ability to write software is only as good as your ability to describe to software engineers yeah. specifically what you wanted to build. Yeah. And I'm practiced at that. I, I have the mouth requirements. I have the, like, user stories and yeah. that. So, I decided to join the hackathon. I decided to write an AI-powered chatbot focused on transportation. And I'm not a coder, but I have learned how to set up a virtual environment on a machine, and I have learned how Python works. And I knew HTML, CSS, JavaScript from before, but dude, I wrote a real life. I did the whole software development process this weekend on an app that I've now released on GitHub, being like a non-coder. I ain't like. 
got stuck in the middle when I was trying to take the application that I wrote and forward it into this thing that serves up the mobile web pages. Mm. I was getting stuck. And so I called someone over for help and they said to me, oh, you chose Dart. I don't really know Dart, but what I do know about it is it's really tough to troubleshoot. I probably would have chosen React Native okay. and Socket.io because it's all in JavaScript. So I was like, all right, okay, they were like, I can help you if it was in React Native or if it was in Socket.io. Mm. So I used ChatGPT's advanced code analysis to take the Python, HTML, CSS, JavaScript that I wrote and port the Dart mobile app server over to the new tech React Native and Socket.io and I did it successfully. And then I didn't actually even need their help at that point because I was able to troubleshoot it myself. And so it's literally, I like refactored the code base from the ground up in the middle of the process. I used Advanced Code Analyzer to write all the documentation, teach me how to use GitHub, publish my source code. It was incredible, man. I don't think ChatGPT is all news. Mm -hmm. it, uh, I used it to write software this weekend, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my buddy John told me about attaching PDFs and mm -hmm. reading web searches and putting links in. and. I just, I haven't slept in a while just because I've been doing that all the time. It's been great. I know what you mean. That was one thing I bumped into is I bumped into some of the finite limitations of ChatGPT. A couple things. One is I thought they took away the like 35 queries per every three hours, but 15 now. Okay. I had 50 several times. There were several times in my software development process was only inhibited by me capping out at 50. And then I don't know if you've noticed this or not, or I'm pretty sure this is accurate. Please fact check me internet. Mm. When it talks about the tokens and, and the memory inside a particular chat on the chat GPT window, mm. there's a point at which new information seems to make the information you fed at the beginning fall off. It's like, yeah, you can read a hundred thousand things and when it gets to a hundred thousand, it keeps moving down the hundred thousand, but it, the other ones spill off the bottom. Some points, long chat GPT conversations can get a little gobbly good because it's, you, it's, it's, it's trying to hold too much in its memory. Mm -hmm. So at some point, sometimes at that point, I create an executive summary of the chat so far and then copy it into a new window or something like that mm -hmm. and start from that so it doesn't get too messed up. You guys check out the John Bondock episode from a couple of in-person episodes ago. It's also about AI, but it's, we're going so fast that this is like way more relevant, I think. Um, I can't wait to check that one out. Man. Yeah, it's gonna be sweet. Okay, so what's a day in your life like? No two days are really alike. As I told you, I was just on the road. I went to New Mexico, Santa Fe, and I went to New York. Now I'm in Connecticut for the hackathon. Now I'm back in Vancouver. But yeah, I'm lucky, man. I get to do some days I'm doing audio editing. Some days I'm doing videos and photos. I do a lot of like community and hanging out and talking online and shooting other people's projects and stuff. And I, I work for the future and review as like a day job. It's a part-time day job that I do like a podcast for them and I run their social media channels and stuff. So I spend a lot of time online. Mm -hmm. Baby Jesus keeps me grounded. I've got a big 110 pound white sheep dog that needs to get out and bounce and we're cool every day. And so he gets me out of the house. And, but yeah, I spend a lot of time online, a lot of time connecting with people out there in the world. And yeah. Nice. Sounds good. Okay. In number eight, lifelong learning is a popular topic. How do you stay up to date? I've mentioned a couple things in yes. this talk. One is like when it, 
appeared to me around the AI Discord mid-journey stuff, and mm-hmm. this was something I needed to learn. I decided to learn it with my friends and create a space where we can learn it together. Yeah. So one is just like sharing what I'm learning, yeah. documenting what I'm learning, yeah. and trying to like cross-pollinate that with other people who are on the same trajectory or whatever. Yeah. And then the other one is the thing I just told you is fucking AI can teach you anything, man. There's even one of the plugins, I forgot which one it is, we can update this thing later, but like one of the plugins builds you curriculum based on all the coursework that's in the world, including like MIT and Harvard and all this stuff. So you're like, teach me a two hour lesson about Spanish. And it goes and grabs all the shit and figures it out and adapts you a, a two hour Spanish lesson. Can teach you anything. That's rad. Yeah. yeah. What tools do you use? Are you, no, we did that. If you weren't doing what you do now, what would you be doing? I really did enjoy having my fingers in the dirt on Hornbeam, being I don't have and stuff. I would love to build like a solar punk off the grid retreat center where we do regenerative agriculture and stuff like that. Live close to the land, but in view technology and other things into, into that process and stuff. Yeah. You can go all the way back, man. I think yeah, I've always been intrigued by linguistics. Yeah. I think I'd love to study language and like how we talk and speak and encode meaning into our words and stuff. Yeah. And, um, Hypothetically, AI could open up a bunch of free time for a lot of us because it just makes that work go quicker. Perhaps we have time for gardening and stuff like that when we didn't before. It does seem AI is good at crunch numbers and it's good at sorting things and it's good at remembering stuff and it's giving out lists and synthesizing information. And mm-hmm. It's going to keep pushing us towards the boundaries of what it truly means to be human. We used to say creativity was the defining thing, but maybe before that language or something, but it's got language, it's got creativity. So what is it now? And it, it's something around maybe community or meaning making, the ability to make significance and meaning and purpose in one's life. Maybe that's what it means to be human, not so much the creativity anymore. But anyway, I think AI is gonna to continue to push us to define and explore and expand on our definition of what it means to be human. And it's a radical kind of concept because I, mean, I was thinking the same thing the other day. I, I finished a bunch of work that I was doing because ChatGPT was doing it so quickly and I was just relaxing and I was like, what are good moral ethical things that I could do with my life. If I push my life in that direction specifically, what are the best things that I could possibly do? I ended up asking ChatGPT what it was. Forget what it said, but definitely thinking about those things. The intent behind that is pretty beautiful, man. Yeah. And like, okay, this thing's gonna make me more efficient. Yeah. I don't want it to just suck up all the efficiency that it's created with more productivity. Yeah. So how do I dedicate intentionally a percentage of the time that it frees up towards things that I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. I, that's a beautiful notion, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask myself that and I'm gonna try to set aside 5% AI efficiency time for other things that it's coming back in my life or something like that. It's Ethics is yeah, coming back. It's a good idea. Yeah, it's a really good idea. What do you not want to do with your career? What do I not want to do with my career? Well, I'm grateful for the time I spent inside corporations because it allowed me to learn the ins and outs of like finance and how marketing departments work and stuff. I definitely don't want to be stuck in a cube again or anything like that, have a dress code, that kind of thing. Yeah. So that was pretty soul sucking. I got fat and unhappy yeah. and drank too much and yeah. stuff. I don't want to be limited to any one particular thing. I want to be able to free, be free to pursue my creative interests and passions and the things that I'm good at and stuff. So I just want latitude to be able to play and experiment and report back. So I forget what you said for 13, it's a favorite word, quote, or sentence. Oh, shit. 
could be a word. Could be a word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so this thing I've been talking about, like your unique Venn diagram, yeah. the thing that makes you you, mm-hmm. and your unique perspective. It. I think of this quote. I think it's from the Tao Te Ching, mm-hmm. and it's something like he who without competing has no competition in the world or something like that. And so do you realize that you are special, that what you have to offer is unique and valuable? Who are you really competing against anyway? There's only one you, man, and you only have so many hours in a day and so much light on this planet, so no one else can be you. So there's like really no sense in competing other than competing to be your best self, to be the most awesome you could possibly be or something like that. But yeah, I find that one inspiring. I wish I had something funny to say. No, it's great. <laughs> I think because a lot of our listeners are designers or design education people and in the startup world in entrepreneurship as well, they probably think of the strategizer books like Value Proposition Design and Business Model Canvas and like building a system where you can understand where you're talking about, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Oh, I heard a McLuhan quote this weekend. I'm just going to butcher it. He's something about one foot rooted in tomorrow, one foot looking into Tomorrowland, while our vision looking into Tomorrowland while our feet are rooted in uh, Bonanza Land or whatever. And he was just talking about like our limited ability somewhat to conceive of what the future holds because of our boundness to where we're at and how things are right now. And so we bumble through things from our perspective now that in the future probably will be a lot different will be a lot more tomorrow and what's the opposite of that what's the least favorite word quote or sentence oh man what's my least favorite quote hey i don't like when people talk about being outside the box i don't know i don't know it all i don't really like when people just like you know happen to just know everything and they're really sure about it and inflexible in their thinking i love to see both sides of an issue and banter about it and figure it out together and stuff. Mm-hmm. Play it by ear. 15, if you had to pick one word to describe yourself, what word would you choose? Iconoclastic. Sweet. What keeps you up at night? Oh man, I sleep pretty good, dude. The only thing that keeps me up lately has been the creative brainstorm surges and stuff like that. I'm, I'm optimized around like six hours right now. I'm bed by midnight nice. pretty much up by six. Though it's been getting a little bit harder, the sunrise team time changes pretty significantly here in Vancouver and it's after 6 a.m. for the first time in a while so I'm starting to sleep in again. Yeah, a dream you're chasing? I guess I told you last podcast mm-hmm. and I might as well say it again now on the video camera too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to make a million bucks next right. year, putting all the pieces in place to really grow this creative endeavor that I'm working on and uh, I believe that calling in the abundance theory type stuff, I believe that there's enough to go around and that I couldn't find mine and I'm going to go off and do that. And what happened? Because I'm older and when I was growing up, it was about a million bucks, but I feel like now it's about a billion bucks. So when did that shift happen? You're right in some ways, but I think also my saying a million dollars represents where my head's at. I've never really been about money too much. I've spent a lot of time doing cool things with people that I love, whether there's money in it or not. This Actathon that I was at was a nonprofit event, the dead thing. They give me a room and board in exchange for my photography. Mm-hmm. I've just always tried to build things bigger than myself, whether there's cash there or not. And I spent a lot of time like consulting other people who made a lot of money with my ideas. So I just think that now's a great time for me to put some of those things into place for my own self. And I'm not looking to be a bazillionaire or have 10 houses and like that. Just like, I'm 45. I'd like to have a little more housing security in my life. I'd like to like uh, give my kids like some nice stuff too and things. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't need a billion, but uh, things sure have changed. Worth for 30 bucks today. <laughs>
what inspires you? Mm, I'm super inspired when I see other people doing creative stuff. I'm inspired right now by some of the principles of the Burning Man community, particularly the one as I think about this conference that I want to put on around no attendees, only participants. Mm. We all bring something special to any group that we're a part of and asking yourself, what do I bring to the table? What, what do I have to give? And like, am I willing to give it in terms of your creative and spiritual gifts and stuff like that? I'm pretty inspired by, by that ethos right now. It's interesting kind of tangential. Chris Doe is a great example. If you go to his website, it's all high ticket items now. So it's not like you can buy my book for 20 bucks. Now it's like you buy this and you get the books, but you pay this premium price for all this other stuff as well. What is like, the thing? What's the high ticket item you're buying? Courses or, uh -huh. uh, or part of his pro group. Um, yeah. Yeah. So super smart. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Okay. Um, number 19, any advice you'd like to share? I've shared where I'm coming from so far. I don't really think I have anything to give in um, terms of advice other than figure this stuff out for yourself, yeah. run alongside it. Yeah. Um, uh, your concerns and fears are valid, but they shouldn't be obstacles necessarily to you um, exploring. Yeah. There's a, a revolution taking place, a renaissance possibly even, and the people that are harsh about it are like, if you don't change, it's going to change you, whether you like it or not. And I don't exactly want to go that far because I think that there's room for all different people and world perspectives in terms of how we interact with technology. But it's going to be the dominant cultural form of interaction, that's for sure. Yeah. And so if you're choosing a place in opposition to that, you need to understand potentially like what that means. You know? And so number 20, so we're in the bonus episode and we're on the video podcast, so it's the real deal. So number 20, what's our call to action? What do we do to find out about KK and where should we go with it? Oh, cool, man. Well, I'm not hard to track down, but so start by going to chriscrew.co, K-R-I-S-K-R-U-G.co. Subscribe to my newsletter. I'm trying to grow that right now. From there, you'll find I give monthly updates like my video blog and my podcast and stuff like that. I'd love to invite you into Crew Fest, whatever it ends up being called. I'm going in. <laughs> That's awesome. One forty-nine to go. Maybe you'll help me think of where exactly it should be. And it opens up all sorts of interesting possibilities. You guys, Crew Fest is coming. Yeah, man. And if you want to explore this stuff alongside me, you can join a Discord server. It's free. It's just a place to hang out and chat and yeah. share and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Okay, well, thanks so much for being on. It's such a pleasure. I love, I can't get it out of my head, the, the pictures you have with those people is, and the kinds of conversations you must have had with, around with those people is just is mind boggling. And I, I definitely appreciate a lot of the episodes that I've had as well with people that really impacted me. So cool to see that yeah, you have that as well. I'm just tickled to meet you too. I've just recently come back to Vancouver and you're a bit of an icon here on the yeah. art and design scene. Yeah. And I appreciate you getting me on the pod yeah. and um, yeah. like, in your own way, you've encouraged me because like I started putting myself out there and then you reached out and like, hey, you want to talk about this stuff yeah. more? I felt like I was like the road rising up to me on my journey. So I, yeah. I really appreciate it. And thank you to the algorithm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thanks guys. Over now.